board, we have, we are started our video stream, so I will re refrain from speaking. Chair, staff is ready when you are. All right, welcome everyone. Uh, we're calling this meeting to order. It is now 1.36 on May, May 20th. This is our uh, quarterly AIFM meeting. Uh, may we, uh, Madam Secretary, may we have a roll call. Okay, Jason Bader. Here. Mr. Colville. <laughs> go like this, go like this. Yeah, exactly. Miss <laughs> Holm. Here. And Mr. Leon. Present. Got it. All right. Um, looks like we are good to go on the roll call. Next up on the agenda is the consent calendar. Uh, uh, Madam Secretary, do we have any comments or anything on the consent calendar? If not, we'll need a motion and a second. I have a question on the consent calendar. Sorry okay. to do this. I know we have a long meeting, but I was hoping Stacy could maybe explain number 10 to me a little bit more. I don't quite understand who this affects and what the change will result in. I tried to kind of follow through the report, but I don't understand the credit rate or the rate to the credit member account. Um, so every year the member accounts get uh, this credit and it's really on paper. It's not, um, it's not anything that, you know, they're not getting an extra 7% paid out every year. So this goes back, I think since inception, because um, I did research it once and it went back 30 to 35 years to see how high that number could get. Um, there is no way that number can ever be negative. There's a floor on that number. So it's just a rolling three-year average that they get credited. Uh, it's like a book entry. I mean, Osvaldo, you might be able to comment on that as well about how that affects their, it affects their balances on paper. But it doesn't affect what they're getting or what we're earning. No, no, okay. no. I saw that 775 and then seven and I'm like, wait, wait, is this first? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just an adjustment is, is the way it was explained to me. Does that sound accurate, Osvaldo? Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> okay, that helps. Thank you. With that, I'll move the consent calendar. I'll second. All right. Hey. Oh, go ahead, Amanda. No, I'm just saying that, Madam Secretary. Um, Jason. Uh, yes. Dawn. Hi. Yes. Oh, yay. Hey. Dawn. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Dawn. Yeah. Yes. Can you not hear me? I, I can now. Okay. Uh, yes. Manny? Yes. Okay. All right. That, that, that motion clears for the consent calendar. Next on the discussion item is item number 12. Who's doing this one, Craig? Okay. Yes, I think so. I, yeah, Craig, number five, 12. It is the uh, Advisors Quarterly Investment Performance Report. Okay. So am I sharing my screen today or were you all going to pull it up? Uh, we can 
why don't you just share the screen? Yeah, thank you, Okay, so hope everybody is doing well. Um, I know that I did not review the 1231 report with you, um, and I think that might be an item to approve as well. So I'm going to integrate some of my comments about year end with what I talk about now. Um, I do know you have a lot on the agenda and you're in a hurry, so I will be very quick. Um, so I did want to start off talking about the markets. Um, markets have really continued to rally um, a ton since the end of the year. Uh, December finished the year very, very strong, uh, despite what happened in the first quarter. 2020 ended up being a very good year for both equities and fixed income. We came into 2021 with things looking very similar. A uh, couple of big shifts, though, is that technology growth were leading the way in 2020. Um, we have seen things like uh, more speculative names, value uh, really lead the way. So energy, financials, and the like have done much better so far in 2021. Um, you see that reflected here where you see you know, smaller cap up 21% for the year versus large cap up 6.7%. Um, fixed income, a little bit different story. Uh, we've seen rates on the longer end of the yield curve rise pretty significantly um, in 20 this year. So anywhere kind of between about that 60 and 80 basis point range. What that means, interest rates go up, bond prices go down. You see that reflected here in fixed income returns, which are mostly negative. Uh, the only bonds that have held up pretty well so far are those higher yielding uh, securities. And I believe Stacy's got some comments on that in a second. Also shorter duration debt has done okay uh, because we did see rates decline there slightly, but declining slightly from very low rates to even lower rates uh, leaves you with that result of about 0 0.02. Um, Last year, 2020 ended, uh, GDP ended negative, uh, about two and a half percent for the full year. So it's certainly because of the pandemic, the entire economy shrank. That was followed up with a 6.4% increase for the first quarter. Uh, we've seen unemployment kind of hovering at about that 6% range. You know, certainly the speed of vaccinations was a lot faster uh, than expected. This year, we've seen things start to reopen. You've seen the CDC revise their mask mandates and the like. Um, I know here in Colorado, we are in clear. Um, I believe you all are headed that direction as well. So that's certainly giving quite a boost to the, um, to the economy, to spending, um, and what we've seen from markets. Um, I'll spend a minute on inflation. Uh, the markets in March, or I'm sorry, in May, have been pretty volatile. A lot of the volatility on the downside uh, because of concerns over rising inflation. So in April, year-over-year -year inflation came in at 3%, which is above the Fed's target of 2.5%. Uh, some of the highest inflating areas um, are energy and food, where most of us tend to spend our income. Uh, the big debate right now, though, is whether or not the inflationary pressures are permanent, and we're going to continue to see higher inflation, which would potentially require the Fed to take action and raise rates or if it's more transitory just because people are really excited that you can go out and actually do stuff now and um, we're seeing a bump up and it's more transitory in nature. Um, so you know, certainly that's gonna remain to be seen. Obviously the direction of the virus and reopenings throughout the rest of the year are gonna play a continued role um, you know, in how markets finish. So I'll stop there. Happy to take any questions on it before looking at results.
members have any questions. Okay. So taking a look at the asset values, uh, where you can see here at the end of March, 303.9 million. That's up from where assets ended the end of uh, 2020 at 295.8. Uh, the portfolio has uh, remained a little bit underweight to fixed income. I know Stacy has been putting some additional money, pre-funding some of the operating cash. So when you do look at some of the balances, you'll see that. Um, what you will notice as well is the um, the pullback in what has been a you know a slight overweight to large cap growth equities. Um, what has that meant for numbers? Uh, quarter uh, 5.1 percent return. You can see there the fiscal year 22.9 percent. So I'm saying sitting here keeping my fingers crossed that the next you know month and a half continue to look good. Um, April was a very good month, but uh, certainly a 23% fiscal year to date return number is very strong. Um, to relate this back to what you would have seen at 1231, uh, you finish the full calendar year up 12.7%. Um, um, at that point in time, the fiscal year to date number was just under 17. So you take that 17, you add um, the 5.1 and the way the math works with time waiting returns, you get to that 29.9, uh, the 22.9%. Uh, the underlying portfolios continue to do pretty well. Um, you know, one of the reasons you continue to outperform the benchmark, especially in the short term, is due to holding some of those higher yielding uh, securities and there's just what's out there in general in the market. Um, the last thing I wanted to comment on was how kind of cool it is to look at those one year numbers and see such big returns. You don't see that very often, um, especially with how poor the market did in the first quarter last year, that rolled off. So you see 50 plus percent returns from the equity portfolio. So I will stop there. I know I covered a lot. I tried to be quick, um, but happy to take any questions. And any questions from the group? All right. So Craig, I would say these are pretty outstanding results, even compared to the custom benchmark. I mean, the alpha that's been earned is pretty impressive. Yeah, the investment team has done an outstanding job. <laughs> Considering I just read something that PERS is at 15%. So with their hundreds of investors, their tens of tens of investment officers, 10 to 50 investment officers, we got three people and they're doing 27%. That's pretty impressive. So. Great job, Stacey and team. Congrats, that is great work. Right on. Um, all right, Craig, that was item 12, I think. Does that wrap up for item 12, Craig? It does. I don't have the agenda open in front of me. Oh, it's, it's okay. That's fine. Was that, that was intended to cover both first quarter and fourth quarter of last, of last year. So, yes. Okay. All so right. I. Yeah, I was going to say that covers 12 and 13. And so, um, Madam Clerk, do we have any callers for items 12 or 13? Hey, man, I got one quick question for Craig, if I can. Craig, sure, any advice on dealing deal with impending inflation? Uh, should we look at inflation protection in this portfolio or other plans doing something like that? 
you know, most of the plans that we work with don't have specific inflation protection. Um, it's normally managed through the underlying managers, um, which I know Stacy and her team kind of you know, have their eye on the ball um, in terms of that. And as I mentioned, we don't, you know, you've got one, one or two months of inflationary pressures. Um, I think it's probably you know, too early to consider maybe shit, looking at some you know, tips or things of fixed income. But what we've kind of found is that a lot of the inflation hedges don't tend to work that well. Equity works is you know, just as good of a hedge against inflation in a lot of instances as a lot of the creative tools. I know you were just talking um, you know, about the big California brethren. You know, one of the things that they've done you know, to help out is things like you know, all the private markets and things like that. And you look at just traditional investments and they've in a lot of instances outperformed and hedged better um, than the creative financial vehicles. All right, thank you. And chair, chair, for the record, we don't have callers on 12 or 13. Okay. Okay. So, John, thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. So, then I think we can do a, a do we have a motion for items 12 and 13? I'll make a motion. Okay. And second? I can do the second. second. Oh, okay. There you, you go. Jason. Okay. Okay. Manny, Manny for two. Uh, <laughs> and so, Madam Secretary, you have a vote. The, you, the motion was John and the second is Manny? Yes, for okay. items 12 and 13. Okay. Um, Jason? Yes. John? Yes. Dawn? Yes. Oh. Sorry, Dawn. <laughs> yes. Manny? Yes. Okay. All right. Those, those items are, are <laughs> out. So we have item 14, which, which is quarterly investment report. Stacy. So I'm going to do what Craig did. I'm going to talk amongst 14 and 15 since these all got pulled into the, um, the next quarterly meeting that we had since we had to skip the last one. Um, Craig really talked about a lot of the things I was gonna talk about. Um, one item is on his report, page 24, and I apologize I can't share because I have to throw this to a different screen, but he touched on it. The asset allocation always remains underweight to the fixed income portfolio. So we've had to be continuous sellers in the equity portfolios, and we've been peeling that cash out and sending it in advance to the operating account in an, in an effort to keep within our 5% range. In the last week or two, I did just actually sell off about 10 to 11 million in the equities, and they're still sitting in there right now. There's only so much pre-funding I can do on operating, so we're actually probably going to be sending some of those funds over to the fixed income account to keep us within those ranges. And it's an ongoing battle, and I feel like I say this every time, but we're, we're reallocating those assets at such low interest rates, it's, it's a challenge. Um, but we have to stay within those guidelines. And I will touch on asset allocation on item, I believe it's item 19 when we get there later in the agenda. Um, all the portfolios, as Craig mentioned, have done phenomenal. Um, the only one that's underperforming this year is the fixed account. It's a little bit different because last year even fixed income was up. So we have seen that take a hit. We are outperforming our benchmark uh, about by 30 to 40 basis points. And even though we are long duration, which would hurt us in that moving long end of the market, we actually have about a 3% allocation to some very, very short fixed income ETFs, which are generating about 5% income and they are kicking that income off every month. 
those two funds are up about 10 to 15 percent. So that's helping pull our returns up a little bit. And that's how we're beating the fixed income benchmark right now. Um, some overall things I also wanted to point out. We, we have lost our coverage for the options portfolio. So you will not see any options in the month of May. At this point, we're still trying to determine whether that's something we're going to be able to restart again with that coverage. So we t normally take a break at the end of June anyway. So I would hope by the end of the fiscal year, we'll have this resolved. Although the equity markets were up huge fiscal year to date, our option portfolio is flat, which is actually and wonderful that it's not negative because usually in that kind of a market, you would see that as a negative return. And that just plays into the fact that there's volatility in the market and we're opportunistic buyers and sellers when those little peaks of volatility come in. And we have started to see that in the last two weeks. Craig mentioned April was a great month. It was, but May has really been treading water and there have been little hiccups and volatility has been going up. Um, you're hearing a lot about cryptocurrencies. You're hearing a, a lot about different assets in the market. We, of course, don't partake in any of those. They don't fit with objectives of this plan, but they do have some noise that carries over into the general markets. So it has affected technology, which has uh, started to turn a little bit in the last week or two. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Um, the last thing is I wanted to mention that the asset allocation, although we'll, we'll talk about it later, it's really, it's something that we're literally looking at every single week. Patrick in my office sends me a report to show where we are within those parameters. And on any given day, we can have a huge rally in equities and we're very close to being out of compliance. So one thing we've done differently this year is started taking slices of the equity portfolios, which is literally taking 5% of all our holdings slicing it and selling that and sending that cash out. So it's a little bit different way. We used to maybe pick and choose different names to lighten up on, but we believe the portfolios are set up correctly. So if we have to raise cash, we're literally selling thousands of shares to take a little bit from all the different names that we own. So that's something that's been different this year in the equities. So I'll take a break there because I've talked a lot. Does anyone have any questions? No, I think you're good, Stacey. Okay. Stacey, you and your team are doing a great job. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Don. Thanks. Excellent. Um, I will end with one thing. Um, there are 30 trading days left in the fiscal year. <laughs> I had Shirley go back to see what our highest fiscal year return was. And in 2010, it was 17 and a quarter percent. So at the end of the 18th. So two days ago, we were sitting around 26%. And that's my unofficial unaudited numbers. So I'm really curious to see what our funded status will be if we were to hold this for the next 30 traded trading days. And I think that will also play into our asset allocation discussion in 2022 as that number goes up significantly. So, so 30, 30 more days to hang on to these returns. <laughs> Great. Okay. Uh, any other questions from members of the board? Stacy, can I ask, I know we've talked about this in the past, but with the phenomenal returns I know this year, the, with the 6.5 discount rate goal, is it worth entertaining lowering that to 6.25 or 6.0 with the, I mean, something lower with the, the returns that we received? Uh, is there that much there where we would, you know, not need money from the general fund if we- That's um, actually a question, Craig. Rate? 
Craig asked me that when we had our discussion earlier in the week. Um, I really think it depends on what those numbers end up um, being when we get that report in November from the actuaries. So I think that would be a discussion. I do know two to three years ago, Jason, you and I and Lainey, we were all involved mm -hmm. in looking at, um, I think we went through an exercise to see what that would do to the numbers. So I would say that after we get those numbers in November, we could, we could do that exercise again on paper. Okay. Great, okay. Thanks. All right. Um, with that being said, Madam Clerk, do we have any callers for item 14 or 15? We have no callers on 14 or 15. Okay. All right. Then we'll need a, a motion for items 14 and 15. Do we have a motion? I'll move the items. I'll crack it. All right, Madam Secretary. Okay, Jason. Yes. John. John. I saw his lips move. He said yes. Yeah, I saw his lips move. I can't yeah. even see him. <laughs> Don. Yes. And Manny. Yes. Okay. All right, we're on to item number sixteen: uh, annual financial report. Slavo. I'm sorry, can't speak today. <laughs> Oswaldo. Um, all right. So I'm going to be covering actually items 16, 17, and 18 today. Okay. Um, let me see if I can share my screen. Um, okay. Is that okay? Can you see? It? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, as I mentioned before, I will be presenting the result of the financial statement audit related to Sacramento City Employees Retirement System, SCARS. Um, and this is for the year ended uh, June 30, 2020. Uh, the financial statements for SCURS were audited by the independent audit firm, Macias Genia Nocono, and I'm pleased to announce that we got an unmodified opinion. Uh, this means that we got a clean audit. Um, you can see the opinion on pages 12 uh, through 14 of the report. So in case that, you want to see it, here it is, and then that you sign it indicating that everything is okay. Um, some of the items that I would like to highlight for the financial statements um, are here actually on the on the net positions. This is page um, page 19. Um, the net position actually decreased by 18 million when we compared this to the previous year. And uh, this decrease was mainly due to decreasing investment assets. And as we all know, this was related to um, COVID-19 for the last quarter of last fiscal, last fiscal year. Um, as you see on this page, on page 19, um, total assets decreased from 284 million in fiscal year 19 to 266 million in fiscal year 20. Uh, the liabilities, they were consistent both years. They were around 2.5 million. And basically due to the decrease in the assets, uh, there was a decrease in the total net position of the plan. Um, so it went from 282 million in fiscal year 19 to 263 million in fiscal year 20. Now, um, the next page is related to uh, the statement on changes in, in plan net position. So here we can see the total contributions decrease. Um, in fiscal year 19, we contributed 7.6 million. Fiscal year 20 was only uh, 4.4 million. Uh, benefits payments, they were consistent, um, approximately 31 million both years. 
And the biggest change here was related to the net investment income that was 7.6 million during fiscal year 20 and 18.5 million on the previous year. Again, uh, the main reason for the decrease here uh, was the net appreciation in fair value of investments. Um, it was about 10.9 million in fiscal year 19 and only 300,000 in fiscal year 20. Same reason that I previously mentioned, COVID-19 had a big factor in, uh, in these investments. Uh, and again, fiscal year 20. Um, now, let me move to page uh, 30 of the report. So this is the last part that I wanna mention related to the financial statement. Here we can see that the net pension liability for fiscal year 20 was 33.5 million. These represent an increase of 1.5 million when we compare it to fiscal year 19 balance. Uh, the funding status decreased. It was, there was a little decrease. It was 89.9% in fiscal year 19, and it went to 88.7% in fiscal year 20. Uh, we have uh, more details on page four and six of the appendix B, which is also included here. Um, but again, biggest factor is the reduction in the asset for those investments. We should see an increase this year when we get a new report. Uh, finally, as we all know, scarce is a closed plan and therefore uh, the plan is getting smaller. Total number of members decreased from 989 members in fiscal year 19 to 924 in fiscal year 20, with only five active plan members as of 6 30 20. Um, and then going forward, as of right now, uh, I was just asking, and as of right now, we just have three plan members, uh, active plan members. Uh, with that, I conclude my presentation and I'm available for any questions. Is there any questions on this item? So, can you guys hear me? Yes. So if I make an observation from your page 30, Oswaldo, if Stacy indicates we're over 300 million now, we basically ate up the whole pension liability in one year. That, that could be. Ideally, it'd be 100% funded. <laughs> it could be. Susan, I don't uh, need to give you any money in July. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. We just need to see, hopefully, there are no changes in assumptions uh, with the new valuation report. But, but if there are not, yeah, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible we could have made up all of our liability in this one year alone. And like Stacy says, we can actually think about next year, as Jason said, maybe lowering the, the, the actual assumption and then maybe getting a little more conservative. So that's great news. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any questions on this item? Uh, other questions or should we move to the next item? What's the, uh, I don't think we have any other questions. So let's move to the next. No questions for me. Okay. Let's see. Let me share the other file. And Chair, you have no callers on item 16. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry about that. We are going to item 17 then, right? Okay. Uh, yes. Okay, perfect. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me share this one. Okay, so um, and I don't if, know if I need to share the next file, 17 and 18, but uh, basically uh, item 17 is the independent auditor's letter of results of the audit for fiscal year 20. Uh, this letter is required communication from the auditors to the board. Um, 
This is based on the statement of auditing the standard 114. It's just required communication. Uh, so basically this letter indicates uh, the auditor's responsibilities as well as the scope and the timing of the audit. It also indicates the significant audit findings and proposed journal entries, which in this case, we didn't have any proposed journal entries for, for fiscal year 20. Uh, on this letter, the auditors list the most sensitive estimates for scares, which are the um, basically the evaluation report all the estimates that are used there and the total pension um, and the actuarially determined contributions. Um, additionally, the auditors communicate through this letter that they didn't have any difficulties um, performing the audits and they, that they didn't have any disagreements um, with us when they were conducting the audit. So that's, that's all for number item number 17. Any questions? Members, do we have any questions? So we're gonna go, um... Madam Clerk, do we have any questions for item 17? I have no callers on item 17. Okay. So at, the, at this point, Jason, I'm going to pass the mic to you. My apologies that I have to go to an in-person meeting at 2.30. So I'm going to pass the, the, the virtual baton over to you, or, or Davo, I should say. Um, gotcha. Thank you. And then um, uh, just so you know, Jason, we, we, we went through item 16, 17. So we'll need votes on that as well as we move forward. Got it. Thank you very Thank much. You, All right. Thanks. And Oswaldo, you also have item 18? Yes. Okay. So moving to the next item, it should be quick. Um, this is the independent auditor's report on internal control over financial reporting and on compliance and other matters based on the audit of financial statements. Again, similar to the previous items, this is required communication. Uh, this letter is communicating that as part of Fisker's audit, the audit firm Macias Gini and O'Connell reviewed the internal controls and they also performed tests on compliance with certain provisions of laws, regulations, contracts, and a few other items. Um, they just are mentioning here that the result of the testing disclosed that there were no instances of non-compliance or other matters that are required to be reported. Um, and this basically concludes uh, my presentation on all three items. I'm available for any questions, if you have any. Hey, Thank you. Do you have something, John? Do you have any comments? No. I'm trying to fix my audio. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Any members have any comments? Sure, questions? I'm good. Um, are there any callers on this item? I have no callers on item 18. Okay, so can we take 16, 17, and 18 simultaneously with a motion? I'm willing to move all three. Okay, I'll second. Okay, for the vote, Jason? Yes. John? Yes. Don? Yes. Okay, we're good. It looks like item 19 and 20 are Stacy again. Okay, so someone's, someone's at someone's door. Sorry. <laughs> um, so for item 19, asset allocation. So we are recommending no change to our existing allocation for the plan this year. Um, at the end of my report is Siegel's report that goes through the analysis based on our current weightings of what we can expect for an expected return in the long term. 
So Siegel's report shows in a 20 year time frame we can expect between six and 6.7%. So again, that low range could um, also come into play if we do look at possibly changing the actuarial assumptions at some point down the road that if it, even it was down to six, we could still possibly be able to meet that. Um, but again, I think the way things are going, it is looking like we will possibly have that discussion next spring of increasing the fixed income portfolio, as John alluded to, becoming a more conservative plan as we reach maturity. <laughs> <plan>. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, so for right now, that is um, the only, the only. I'm sorry about my dog. <laughs> so that there, that there's not going to be any plan changes this year but perhaps next year. And then I'm happy to take any questions on the assumptions. Um, Craig basically runs this for us every year based on what we tell him we think our asset allocation should be going forward. Okay, we have any member questions? Okay, uh, any callers on these items? Is, is this just 19 or is this 19 and 20? This is just 19. Just 19, okay. Any callers on 19 or? No callers on 19. Um, then I guess we'll need a motion. I'll make a motion on 19. Second. Okay, Jason? Uh, yes. John? Yes. Dawn? Yes. Okay, we're good. We got it down now. <laughs> <laughs> and Stacy, you are on again with item 20. So item 20 the annual investment policy on this one as well we're recommending no changes for the upcoming fiscal year and that's usually pretty standard on this one um, we rarely make any changes to either the type of securities we're going to invest in or divest from there continue to be new security types created every year as i mentioned earlier the crypto craze that everyone is talking about but most of these, as I mentioned, don't fit our profile and the objectives of this plan. So while we see more of these cropping up and all types of derivatives hitting the market, um, we do monitor them and watch their volatility and the impacts, but it's not an asset class that we would be interested in adding to SCURS because it just doesn't fit. Stacy, can you comment on the, the fossil fuels? Uh... Yes deal we came up with with council? I sure can. So I think it was probably two to three months ago when council member Valenzuela reached out to us. She was very concerned that we were investing in fossil fuel names, um, not only in the SCURS portfolio, but in the pooled portfolio. Um, in the pools, we own individual names such as Shell, Chevron, and we own their bonds um, all five years and in. And then in the SCURS portfolio, we owned um, Chevron in the equity income portfolio. So we did have discussions with her group. Um, we talked about it at council twice as well. And we explained to her that and her staff that although we understand what the objective is, is to divest if we can of large fossil fuel companies, we do have to match a benchmark. And if that benchmark has 5% energy, we can't just ignore that. Otherwise, we're not in compliance and we're not meeting our fiduciary goals. So we did come to an understanding that while we going forward, we'll try to avoid single names such as Chevron or Exxon, we will always have to be invested in things like the XLE, which is the basket of underlying energy names. So I don't think it was 100% exactly what she wanted to hear, but we're hoping that it was a nice bridge so that everybody could understand and, and ease people's minds that we're not investing in some of these single name 
large energy companies. Great, thank you. Any other member questions, comments? Uh, any callers on this item? I have no callers on this item. Okay, we need a motion. I'll move it. I'll second. Okay, Jason? Yes. John? Yes. Don? Yes. All right, that uh, completes the agenda. Um, are there any member comments, questions, ideas, anything to discuss? We need public comment first. Say that again? We need public comment. Oh, is there a public comment? There are no callers for matters not on the agenda. <laughs> okay, well, I guess that uh, meeting is adjourned and stay safe. Thanks, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Bye. Greg. Bye.